episode six, shockingly, of Doc and the Law after a, I think it was a three-month hiatus, Corey, and there's a lot that went into that, but I'm glad we decided to uh, figure out to, a time to squeeze a very short podcast in. There'll definitely be another one after this, but uh, with the U.S. Open starting tomorrow, we had to get a podcast in because you told me earlier this week, you, you felt the heat coming this weekend for the U.S. Open. Uh, you had some people come at you saying they needed picks, and so uh, here we are, man. We're going to give give them a few picks here. And uh, before we jump in that, I know you've been struggling with a few things, especially trauma. How's that been? Uh, Tom, first off, it's good to be back. Uh, you know, a little hiatus. Um, kind of ironic that we were uh, getting cranking while everybody else was on COVID hiatus, and then uh, we took our hiatus once things cranked back up. Probably not optimal for the pod, but um, – you know, uh, it's been traumatic <laughs> to, uh, no pun intended, the last couple months we've been busy uh, at the Smith House and uh, a lot of things going on. But we are, um, we're, we're coming in hot with this one. This is going to be a, uh, a, a run and shoot kind of pod. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie, the doc had the heat for a little while and we cooled off. We cooled off uh, fade fading Dustin Johnson as everybody who's been watching the last couple weeks knows that was a poor uh, decision on my part for a while Um, but we kind of got back on the horse the last couple weeks and like I said I I feel the heat coming for the U.S. Open so the people were asking for picks and uh, we had to jump on here and give it to them so we're rocking and ready to go dude. Good deal man I'm looking forward to actually getting back in the groove of things it's been it's been tough for the next Last few months, I like I know it's been crazy at your house, crazy at my house, a lot going on, man. Junior high football uh, may not sound electric, but <laughs> electric here. Uh, the boys got the win last night, which is big for us. Uh, but as you were saying, uh, heat check when it comes to gambling, big time. This past this past weekend, it's going to be tough to kind of figure out how these teams, uh, NFL and college football, how teams pan out uh, with these lines coming out. And I heard I heard today or today or yesterday, something along the lines of how these bookmakers are kind of uh, struggling with these lines because you've got these games canceled. Next thing you know, example, Baylor-Houston, it's six days out and they got to figure out a line. So it's a lot of uh, a lot of crazy stuff can happen. And we saw this past weekend, uh, like everybody else and their brothers talk about, Sunbelt taking down the Big 12 in those three marquee matchups. Um, you think we're going to see a lot more of that coming up? Some, some teams that uh, maybe – dealt with some issues during the offseason they come out first few weeks extremely flat i i do i think that it's there's just so many variables right so i mean uh example a is the navy thing i mean how insane was that like i know the doc and the law were riding hard on navy and then they absolutely got thrashed well, by knew, the mormons and i knew going uh, in when you heard the report that navy hadn't made contact i was like oh this is dicey exactly. given, our, given, given our football pass we knew something was up and then after watching that first drive we texted each other and said we were on the wrong side yeah and and you know i mean idiot we, we were all idiots to not just hammer byu live right then which we can talk about that in just a little bit i think that's going to actually be a uh, a tactic in the next few weeks and months but you know there's just so many variables because you know 10 minutes before kickoff navy you know maria taylor says oh by the way navy hasn't tackled yet right yep. and then you the same thing is like uh saturday morning georgia southern releases a report 50 guys out because of covid 
right? And Campbell's yeah. sitting there at like plus 32. Then you're like, I mean, I guess I have to take Campbell. That's the conversation we had, but we didn't, you know? And so I think probably the best example is Coastal Carolina, Kansas, right? Yeah. So I know I texted you guys on like Thursday or Friday when I saw that, that report from John Solomon. He's like, hey, COVID outbreak in Kansas's locker room. Bunch of guys going to be out. We already thought Coastal Carolina plus seven was a nice number, so we just hammer it, right? Yeah. And then, of course, Kansas comes out. They got some guys out. They look flat. Coastal Carolina's got everybody. They win the game. It's just interesting to me, though, how the next couple weeks are going to play into that because you have to know that from here on out, whenever there's a news report of COVID outbreak, the line is just going to swing wildly, right? Probably more than it should. And so it makes you wonder if then the direction to take is when you see that COVID outbreak, wait till the very last minute and then buy low on the team that had the line go against them. I don't know. It's just – it's or just play it live, right? So it's just interesting how all this is going to work out. And that's what we talked about. Playing live is probably going to be your best bet because you have, again, like you said, who knows if these these reports and what's legit. I mean, we sat there and you can take Campbell, for example, but we sat there, I guess, with Saturday morning for EKU. Now, this was a dumpster fire pick on my part, but EKU, which is a junior high football team as well, um, they you see that West Virginia's got 11, 12 some odd players out. Uh, suspended and whatnot, and you're like, okay, EKU, what, plus 42? Oh, yeah, why not? So you take that. So my dumb brain takes that one. See the report come out, it, it didn't mean a thing. But now George Southern has half their team out, so that means a little bit of something. So I think live's going to be the best bet. And and I, I know me and you and several people we know have really jumped into live gambling um, more than just uh, before game gambling, just because you, you can watch two – Two drives, opening drives. Example, for instance, is uh, North Carolina this past week. They played a bad Syracuse team really close early, and you knew good and well that North Carolina was a lot better than was on what was on the field. You you get a solid number in North Carolina, they cover the spread easily. Exactly, and I, th- I think that I think that live betting is is going to be an interesting aspect of this whole year. And then you know that's not even getting into the NFL, right? Who the NFL had zero guys out because of COVID week one, which I think if you could have taken odds on that, I don't can't imagine what that would have been. Yeah. But like, you know, zero guys go down because of COVID. You can't, I mean, personally, I think COVID's dead, whatever. There's the hottest take of the whole podcast. But, you know, I mean, let's say that, you know, that on Friday, Kirk Cousins comes down with COVID. That line is going to move seven points, Right. I just can't think that in the NFL, like in college, say Trevor Lawrence goes down because of COVID. That line probably should swing 10 to 14 points, depending on who they're playing, right, because of Trevor Lawrence. But in the NFL, I just can't think there's that many guys besides maybe a Patrick Mahomes or a Drew Brees that are that valuable. So that's where I'm coming in with this point of maybe we wait for the public to make that drastic overreaction, and then we come back and buy low on the other side – but, I mean, it's just really – it's going to be a bizarre year, and hopefully we can take advantage in cash. But, um, you know, I think the fade in the public is still going to be the smart way to go. I think that you just have to be careful how you play these COVID responses, I guess, in a yeah, way. Yeah, I know what you're saying. But back to the Vikings, they still haven't stopped Aaron Rodgers, so it really doesn't matter who they have the quarterback. So, <laughs> they really, really, really screwed, me, screwed me this past weekend in fantasy. Um, big, news, big news, uh, Big Ten's going to play. Anything from this, they're going to roll eight, eight straight weeks playing, trying to get it in 
I think the scheduled date for the Big Ten Championship is uh, December 19th. To t- December 20th is when the Final Four for the college football plays off pay, uh, comes out. So I think that's that's big. I think it's it's good for the sport that uh, they're coming back. Uh, what was cool too is the way they're going to determine who the Big Ten champion is. Of course, it's one side is number one versus the other side is number one. But it and but everybody's going to play a non-conference game because you're going to have the two on one side play the two on the other side. So you're going to have like at the end of the year, you're going to have that Saturday before Christmas, Rutgers plays Illinois for the for the toilet bowl in the Big Ten. <laughs> and I can't wait to take action on Rutgers, Illinois. It's going to be electric. So any thoughts on that coming back? Uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I haven't looked a bit into the Big Ten, and the reason is is because I really did not think that this was going to happen. And the reason I didn't think that was going to happen is because the commissioner of the Big Ten and the Big 12 both went on TV last Saturday and said, there's no chance that our presidents are going to vote for us to play football in the middle of a pandemic. What a terrible look for the Big Ten to say that on Saturday and then vote on Wednesday to play football strictly as a money grab, right? Do I do I agree with what they're doing? Yeah, absolutely. But if you're going to go first and you're going to be the, the, the safety police and you're going to be the ones to cancel the whole schedule, but then you're going to let the teams keep practicing, that should have been red flag number one. And then once the first week happens and nobody dies and, and all, you know, everything is okay and you see that teams have plans for how they're going to handle COVID and it's safe, all of a sudden, here comes the Big Ten. I'm sure the Pac-12 will probably damn vote tomorrow, and they'll play eight weeks in a row too. I mean, it's just a money grab. It's a piss-poor look for the Big Ten. Once again, the Big Ten continues to look like a bunch of cucks, and it's embarrassing. But with that said, I can't wait until there's a little chill in the air and we're cracking a Miller Lite at 11 a.m. to bet an under on Michigan State Wisconsin or Minnesota (laughs) (laughs) Minnesota Purdue for the old oak and bucket and we're betting under 48 I can't wait Uh, it's gonna be electric it's coming back but I'm I'm kind of on the opposite side of you I think the Pac-12's done so just I think it's just I don't see I mean they've always been let's say the lackluster of the power five conference when it comes to football they're kind of we enjoy watching them late night they try to save our game on Saturdays for sure but um, when have they, besides Oregon from time to time, when has the Pac-12 really been relevant in college football here the past few years? So I could see them actually sitting it out. I don't see them. I think what's coming out is there's, their governors are actually having more ish, more uh, control of the conference than the presidents because they have all these state-mandated lockdowns. So I, I see the Pac-12 actually them being done for the year. So I think it's, it's, an ever, it's still ever-revolving. It, it could change tomorrow. Who knows? So I think it's it's still it's a plus, like you said, on a gloomy. Like you turn on uh, ESPN two, and it's a gloomy day in Iowa. And I was about to play, I don't know, Penn State. No, not even Penn State. They're about to play Nebraska, and you know the score is going to be ten to nine. And you you sign me up four quarters of that. So it's it's something to look forward to. Um, Very anything true. Else, anything else to take away before we jump into the U.S. Open? I'm ready to rock with the golf takes, buddy. I've been ready to rip with this for a few days. So you just t- you say green light and we're ready to go. Uh, well, let me get out of your way then because I haven't done any U.S. Open research. I've been watching film, uh, junior high football film, trying to get ready for it. <laughs> me next week. So uh, you take it away, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is uh, 
you know, it, it's pretty much been uh, confirmed at this point that Doc and the Law is a golf pod. I mean, we've tried our hand at a lot of different shit. Uh, horse racing, you know, obviously is on and off. Although I will say, um, I called Tis the Law as the Derby winner in April. Very, very disappointing. This is not the uh, this is not the Bahama Bob's horse racing minute, but I will just say very disappointing of, of, of all Fennec and Bob Raffer to cheat, but we'll move on to golf. Um, so the U.S. Open this week, Wingfoot, uh, even, you know, I think uh, casual golf fans know that Wingfoot is one of the toughest venues that they host any major at for a lot of reasons. It's long, uh, the rough, they let it grow up. I'm sure everybody's seen the pictures and videos of how long and crazy the rough is this week. Um, and then it's just, it's a, it's a tricky golf course. I think, you know, there are golf courses they've played at where everybody knows the term bomb and gouge, where, you know, the rough's not that long. So you just hit it as close as you can to the green and figure it out from there. There's courses they've played it at that are very much strategic, right? Like, um, you know, the Olympia Fields and the uh, Pebble Beaches, you know, where it's very strategic golf. I think that Wingfoot is one of these courses where, you know, you keep hearing the guys say it, it's going to test every facet of the game, right? And so, you know, everything that I've been seeing and reading this week has been, hey, find the ball strikers, find the people who are going to keep it in the fairway, find the people who hit it long, and then hopefully somebody gets hot putting um, and you figure it out that way. Well, I got a little different strategy. So I went back and looked at the last time the U.S. Open was played at Wingfoot. And the winner was Jeff Ogilvy. And actually, I'll take that back. That may not be the last time they played. But Jeff Ogilvy won the U.S. Open at Wingfoot in what I heard somebody who, a writer who was there earlier this week, say that was very comparable conditions, really long course, really long rough. Um, Going to be a little bit of a cooler week in New York this week. And if you go back and look, Jeff Ogilvy didn't hit the most fairways. But what he did was lead the field in scrambling and strokes gained under 100 yards. So what I did was I went back and looked at the last year, who are the players who stand out from under 100 yards and scrambling. And I'm going to give you some names you see in the top 10. Daniel Berger, Xander Shoffley, Brendan Todd, Harris English, John Rahm. Okay. So if you go and look at the odds, a lot of these guys are near the top of the leaderboard. However, there is a guy slightly a little further down the list who I absolutely love this week. And I'm going to be giving out as one of my picks and that is Tommy Fleetwood. So Tommy Fleetwood has the inside of 100 yards and scrambling game. He is obviously one of the most elite ball strikers in the game. I hate that he's not an American. So to start my picks this week, I'm going to lead off with Tommy Fleetwood. We got a nice move on him. He actually went up from 28 to 1 to 33 to 1. So you're making $33 on your dollar if you bet him outright to win. That's my first bet. The second one, I am going to go with a classic ball striker. I'm going to go with Patrick Cantley. He is catching 28 to 1 right now, a nice increase from 25 to 1. Another one of my outright picks is going to be the guy who is number one in scrambling this past year, Daniel Berger. He's actually gone from 80 to 1 to 28 to 1 recently. And so those are three of my outright picks. Then once you get into a little more of the meat, uh, my biggest pick this week was going to be Scotty Scheffler, who opened at 100 to 1, uh, who is actually top five in almost every category when it comes to ball striking. However, unfortunately, he caught the COVID, uh, so I guess that proves my point is not true that COVID is real because uh, it's affecting gambling. So, uh, Scotty Scheffler, unfortunately, had to withdraw. So, I'm going to go with another 100-to-1 shot, which is Jordan Spieth, right? This is a guy who I will admit has been playing really, really shitty golf, okay? But if you go back and look 
at players who have played the best when the conditions are the toughest. Jordan Spieth is third in scoring average when the final score is over par. Who is number one on that list? Tommy Fleetwood. Who's number four on that list? Patrick Cantley. So Jordan Spieth is going to be my fourth outright pick to round things out. I'm going to give a couple more props for the people. If you want a top 20 bet, look no further than Will Zalatoris. This guy's been on the Corn Ferry Tour, absolutely shredding it up. I think he's going off the board at 150 to 1 outright, if you want to throw a little dust on that, just in case there's a miracle. But I think he's going off at maybe 8 or 10 to 1 as a top 20 bet. So there's a nice bet for you. Um, I think another nice top 10 would be Tony Finau. Uh, I think Tony's going to have a good week. He's another one of these guys that plays well from 100 yards in. And then, obviously, we would not be a golf pod if we did not mention the big cat. He is currently sitting at 32 to 1. This is the only time I can find in a major in, like, the last 20 years when Tiger's betting odds have actually increased. So the money is not going Tiger's way. Something doesn't feel right about that to me. And so I will be throwing a little dust on Tiger outright. At, I got 35 to 1 at Bovada right now. So Tiger outright. So just to back it up, we're looking at Daniel Berger outright, Patrick Cantley outright, Tommy Fleetwood outright, the Big Cat outright, and Jordan Spieth outright. And then a top 20 on Will Zalatoris, a top 10 on Tony Finau. And we'll probably sprinkle in a couple more top five or 10 bets. If we have any matchups, we'll post that to the Instagram. We're going to fire that back up. But that's the U.S. Open takes for me, Tom. And uh, hopefully we get out there and get it done this week. Like the job there. Yeah, it was impressive how you're able to draw out all that. When it was like we didn't miss – it's like we didn't take three months off uh, and you just kept rocking and rolling with all of that. Didn't, I don't even think you took a breath. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if I did. I'm going to be honest. I think similar to the very first horse racing minute that went for five and a half minutes, I think I just blacked out right there. And so uh, hopefully we're going to catch the heat this weekend and uh, stack some units and then lose it all on NFL on Sunday. That's, that, that's our MO. We, we build, up, that, build up, build up, and then Sunday we go straight back to the crapper. Yeah, if there is a motto in our uh, GPS financial strategies uh, investment group, the motto is stack it on Saturday and lose it all on Sunday. Yep, that's for sure. Right, speaking of losing, anything before we get out on – there's one Thursday game in NFL, anything Browns-Bengals. Right now we're sitting at Browns or minus six. Uh, I'm taking the points. Uh, I think that the Browns are a dumpster fire. I think that I, – I don't know, man. I just – I don't like Baker Mayfield. I don't think – I think that – I think it was Ryan Clark that went on ESPN this past week and just absolutely thrashed him, you know, saying, like, it's not Baker's fault that he has under – you know, like, uh, underachieved his expectations. It's our fault for putting high expectations on a guy who's not a good quarterback. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. But, I mean, honestly, I think that um, – I think the Browns are a mess. And I think that – Maybe I'm wrong, and maybe they come out and thrash the Bengals and they go 10-6 and six and win the division. I don't know. But the Bengals look really good. We're talking about Joe Burrow first start against the Chargers, who have a really solid defense. Um, and, I mean, honestly, should have won the game. I, I, that was a little bit of a ticky-tack call on A.J. Green on that offensive P.I. But I really like Joe Burrow. I like the Bengals. I like Zach Taylor. I'm taking the points plus six, and uh, we'll just see what happens.
I'm, I'm right with you. I take the plus six. I might spring a little bit of money line too. So we'll just see. Oh, um, I love, I love, uh, I love a Thursday night money line play. Thursday night money line, short rest. Joe Burrow's young, so it should be, should be fun. Uh, hey, it was fun to get a quick one in real quick. I forgot how how much fun we had doing this. So we we have to keep, hold ourselves accountable and actually knock one of these out every single week. But we will uh, actually do a lengthier college football NFL talk more sports than just we did today. I know Corey, Corey mainly had to get those U.S. Open picks out there because, you know, we tee them up here soon. Well, and honestly, you know, look, the the people need us, Tom. You know, I mean, people are out there. Times are tough. People are losing their jobs. COVID is, uh, you know, COVID is is having its long-lasting effects. And as, you know, as as we once famously said, you know, people are people. Yeah. And uh, and they and the people need picks and they need to stack money and uh, so we're here to give it to them and hopefully you know one of our boys will cash in this weekend and like I said all of uh, all of our U.S. Open picks will be up on the Instagram page.